Every week they talk about music coming into Milwaukee and music coming out of Milwaukee. Here's Evan Ritleski of 88.9 and Piet Levy of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. This is Tapped In. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Tapped In. I am Evan, here as always with Piet. And this week we are sharing our December concert preview. December is a weird time for concerts. Uh, Typically it's when the calendar starts to thin out a little bit. Bands go off the road for the holidays. Everybody just watches the Nutcracker and Christmas concerts instead. But there's always a few good shows that you can check out. And this month is no exception, including Piet, as you point out, a weirdly large amount of shows on December 2nd. What's all happening that one day? Yeah, it's, it is strange. There's a lot of good stuff on that day. I think the show of the month, from my perspective, on, is on the 2nd. That's Jason Isbell and the 400 Units playing at the Riverside Theater, a show that was supposed to happen in spring 2020. Got bumped a bazillion times. Finally should be happening, fingers crossed, December 2nd. Strand of Oaks is opening that show. Strand of Oaks has a really devout Milwaukee following. Has these kind of very famous uh, Milwaukee shows at the Cactus Club. Very intense, very fun. But Isbell is just an incredible live performer. Such an amazing catalog. Such a such a great, rich songwriter. So that's a really good one. But there's other good ones at night. Uh, December 2nd also at Pfizer Forum, you've got James Taylor is playing there. And that's the same, uh, his opener that same night is Jackson Brown. Taylor is known for kind of bringing out good openers on his tours. Last time he came through Milwaukee was at Summerfest. And Bonnie Raitt was his opener. There was a great finale with the two of them kind of playing together. I've got my uh, my hopes high that Jackson Brown and James Taylor will do a collaboration at the end, which should make that a pretty sweet show. And then also you've got uh, Stuart Copeland of uh, The Police. He's doing a really interesting show that same night as well, December 2nd, uh, with the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra, where he's reimagining with a band and with the orchestra uh, the police catalog uh, with an orchestral presentation. Uh, he's only done this a little bit, a few times around the country. Um, you know, and so it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a unique kind of ex- somewhat exclusive show. What also I think makes this pretty significant is the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra is in their new home, the Bradley Symphony Center, uh, which is on Wisconsin Avenue. It used to be a really great ornate movie palace, uh, the Warner Grand Theater. Uh, they renovated that building for like $90 million. Finally, we're able to open it to a full house in October. I've never been there yet, but I hear it's incredible. I hear the acoustics are incredible. I hear it's just really splendid venue. So if you've been itching to kind of check out the newest venue in town, that's a good show to, to check it out for. You you mentioned the show you're most excited about. For me, that is an easy answer. There's one show this month that stands out above all other in my heart, and that is Snail Mail, who's playing Turner Hall Ballroom December 7th. That, of course, is the uh, project of songwriter Lindsay Jordan, and she just released a new album called Valentine. We've been playing the, the title track quite a bit on the station that uh, I think is really remarkable. It's, it's one of those records that when it dropped, you know, I like thought I had my top 10 of the year list kind of like all carved out neatly. And then uh, she dropped that album and it was like, well, I guess one of these 10 records has got to go. Got to clear some room here. Uh, it is one of my favorite records of the year. Just a remarkably written, snappy indie rock record. His songs are sad and wry and heartbreaking. And it is just uh, such a compact record. It's just like everything I want from an indie rock record in this perfect little package. Um 
feels like it's getting really, really good reviews. Feels like a record that that should take her to that next level. You know, I think she she dropped her debut a few years ago, got got good praise, but that was like felt like a smaller record a little bit. It was more of just like a standard sort of alt rock throwback. This new record, it feels like it, it really presents her as like a great songwriter, uh, and I think she's going to have a huge year ahead of her. I, I got to imagine that in 2022, she'll be playing some very big festivals. This is your chance to see her uh, possibly at a smaller stage than she'll be playing in the future. That is December 7th at Turner Hall Ballroom. Yeah, Valentine's a really good album. I've only heard it once, but I really like it a lot. And you're right, it, it is snappy, but it also is definitely her most uh, ornate and elaborate album. It's not like over the top and, and doesn't like lose the thread at all. Uh, it still feels very much like a snail mail album, but it is uh, it definitely shows a new level of ambition for her. And I think she just really nailed it. All right. Those are just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a whole lot more shows to get to, including a couple of big alternative rock shows that I'm eager to hear Piet's take on. Stick around. We'll get to those right after the break. Like listening to Milwaukee produced podcasts? Then check out Radio Milwaukee's innovation podcast, Diverse Disruptors, hosted by me, Tariq Moody. We talk with entrepreneurs from across the country that are innovating for a more inclusive world. Listen at RadioMilwaukee.org slash disruptors. Diverse Disruptors is presented by University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Northwestern Mutual, and United Ways Tequity. Traditionally, one of the most popular days of charitable giving, Giving Tuesday, falls after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Giving First Day on November 23rd flips that script. Before the hustle and bustle of the traditional shopping weekend, we have an opportunity to reflect on the needs of our community and invest in our values. Because 88.9 is one of your favorite nonprofit organizations and you believe in our mission to create a stronger Milwaukee, consider a donation today. Celebrate Giving First Day and community goodness with a donation to 88.9. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. All right, we are back. Tapped in. Evan, Piet, December, concerts. More to get to as promised. Piet, what else is on the calendar this coming month that's caught your eye? Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting is uh, for fans of uh, FM 1021, uh, you know, all rock station in town, every December, except obviously during the pandemic, for the past like 15 years, they've had something called the Big Snow Show, which has been, they're kind of, you know, a lot of radio stations do this around the country where they they have acts come in and, and do some special shows. You know, December's kind of a good time for that because tours are winding down. So they're kind of doing these one-offs uh, to kind of tie in with some radio promo stuff. And in the past, the Big Snow Show has had some really, really good acts play. I mean, they've had, you know, Phoenix, uh, Arctic Monkeys, um, you know, uh, Fallout Boy. You know, just, just some kind of like big names in that world have played the series, Weezer. Um, and I kind of assumed it wouldn't be back this year, but it is back because it was just announced uh, the other week, uh, this month, that it is coming back with two shows. It's usually a multi-show thing. Uh, December 9th, you've got Kings of Leon. They're going to be playing at the Rave. Again, it's always at the Rave, Eagles Ballroom. And then December 13th, you've got the Lumineers uh, with Cold War Kids opening for them. There's a band I don't really know much about opening for Kings of Leon, Leon called Wilderado. Um, and you know, those are both uh, Kings of Leon and Lumineers, uh, whether you love them or hate them, they're definitely arena and amphitheater level acts. Um, so that's also kind of what's interesting about the big snow show is that typically they'll have arena level acts kind of playing in a smaller space than you would typically see. I mean, last time Kings of Leon was here was like 2015 or 16 and they were the headliner at Summerfest at the amphitheater that year. So definitely a much smaller venue for them. 
Um, so yeah, if you're fans of those bands, uh, that should be pretty significant. I'm not really a fan of Kings of Leon myself, and I'd love to get your take on this, uh, Evan. I think uh, Sex on Fire is one of the most uh, embarrassing songs in modern in modern rock history, and yet somehow, uh, and that's kind of going to be their legacy, is that Sex on Fire song. Um, so they're, nevertheless, they're still playing arenas, still playing amphitheaters. Um, the Lumineers, I'm a little bit more forgivable about. I mean, they haven't really kind of changed their sound too much. But I think they're a really good live act. I saw them at the Pap Cedar in 2019. That was a really solid show. They actually played the last big arena show in Milwaukee before the shutdown. So they're really good at, at what they do live. And I think, uh, you know, it seems like the music press and, you know, in terms of pop culture relevance, it kind of moved on after Ho Hey. Um, but, you know, I think they're still doing some, some decent things. Nothing like really earth shattering. But but some song some strong solid songs and a strong solid show. Yeah, I think I think the Lumineers are a band that has a, a bigger following still than people might realize. Kings of Leon, I don't know where they're at right now. You know, they were one of the biggest alt rock bands for almost a decade. They had those two monster singles, "Sex on Fire," "Use Somebody," which I actually ride for both. I think they're they're gloriously okay. stupid, really yeah, fun to sing along to or karaoke to, which is like. All you could ask for from Kings of Leon. But it, it is like a cliche, like critics kind of hate Kings of Leon. And Piet, you and I are, are critics and we don't always buck the stereotype, do we? <laughs> this, is, this is not a band either of us love. I actually, um, I reviewed the new Kings of Leon for Pitchfork this winter and I barely remember a thing about it. It's, it was called yeah. When You See Yourself and it was, all I remember about it was it was like a buzzkill. You know, like it was like, you know, it was their like aging record. It was like mellow and mature. It was very U2-ish in its production. And it was no fun. You know, at least this band used to be fun back in the day. But um, there's just so little entertainment value in it. I wonder if the smaller venues are just something they're going to have to get used to. I wonder if they've just sort of like run their course. Possibly. that That is possibly true. Uh, I remember seeing them like long ago with that first album. That first album was actually really fun. And that was kind of before they went into the whole kind of smooth, polished, anthemic rock thing where they kind of, I feel like they kind of, they kind of polished their sound and added a gloss to it. They kind of made it a worse band. And then after they kind of had those two, those two big hits, they just never really could get those two big hits again, nor could they really return to kind of the grimier, edgier kind of Southern rock you know, fun kind of vibe that they had on that first debut album. Um, so nevertheless, they, st- they, they those two hits were big enough that these guys are able to have lucrative careers, play generally big rooms for now. Um, They're probably a great live band. I mean, I've got, I've got to concede, you know, they probably deliver spectacle and big lights and all the drama. I mean, the songs, every song they write is written with a live audience in mind. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. So, uh, and you know, if there are Kings of Leon fans out there in Milwaukee, and, and of course there are, uh, they haven't been here in ages, so it'll be a good chance to see them again in a smaller venue than you would probably typically see. Although maybe not so small in the future, we'll see. A few more shows we should mention before we talk to one with uh, great local relevance. You've got Dawes at Turner Hall Ballroom on December fifth. Piet Dawes, good, bad. Man. Good, good, yeah, good. good. I mean, Dawes I mean, there's, there, yeah, Dawes is good. They're a good live band. I saw them at um, the uh, the Willie Nelson like road show thing at Summerfest a few years ago. Early afternoon set, but very solid. Good stuff for sure. My my lasting memory of Dawes and other people who are extremely online 
might get this reference. Back in the days when the AV Club had a, a really well-populated comment section, the music editor back then was uh, Stephen Hyden, a, a Milwaukeean, and he wrote uh, a, a nice piece praising Dawes and maybe overpraising them. It was a little hyperbolic. And so for like years in the AV Club uh, comment section, people would just write about Dawes in the comments, about the glory of Dawes and how majestic and amazing Dawes was. Um, it kind of became a, a meme in that site. And I, I think the joke of the meme was, yeah, Dawes is just okay. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think anybody, like, hates Dawes. Nobody's ever been like, oh, turn off Dawes. But also, uh, you know, they're they're not really the, the next Rolling Stones or anything. No, I mean, Dawes came around kind of towards the end of that kind of Lumineers era sort of Americana, let's all gather around the campfire and play folk songs, big anthemic folk songs era, you know, with, with, with Lumineers and Mumford and Sons. And a lot of those acts have kind of had to change their sound to kind of maintain some sort of relevance. And Mumford and Sons has done that often with mixed results. Lumineers hasn't, and somehow they're still kind of riding high, but other acts are, are, you know, like Dawes, they're solid, but they never really had anything that was, uh, yeah. Ho Hey level or whatever. So, um, they're a good, they're a good band though. Turner Hall Ballroom is a good place to see them. I wouldn't expect them at bigger venues at this point, but, but definitely a solid band for sure. Rick Springfield is doing two nights at the venue he's always at. That is the Potawatomi Hotel and Casino on December 14th and 15th. Uh, Piet, you cover music. You've probably seen Rick Springfield live at some point. I've seen him. I've interviewed him. Yeah, he's he's fun. He's a lot of fun. You know, his songs are, they still have a good kick to him. Um, you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's, he's a pretty talented guy. He's a, kind of underrated. He's a, he's a decent actor. He's a decent writer, uh, not just songwriter, but he's, he's written a, a book that got some pretty good reviews. I mean, he's, he's definitely an interesting, uh, multifaceted character and definitely has a strong, uh, fan base in Milwaukee. So uh, I was going to ask, so with these dudes who come through every year, like on, you know, you can set your set your watch to it, uh, like a Colin Hay or a Rick Springfield. Is it the same crowd year after year? Is it a different crowd? How does that even work? How does the concert economy support Rick Springfield being in Milwaukee this much? I, I think it's the same crowd with a few people that might kind of come in here and there. But I'm guessing it's it's quite similar. I mean, it, you know, let's to be fair to Mr. Springfield, he's not a Phil Vassar. He, you know, Phil Vassar was able to come here. <laughs> Even during the pandemic, you know, there was like a drive-in concert series in Grafton and Phil Vassar was like, sign me up, I'm there. Um, you know, and, and he still did Summerfest and he still do Potawatomi in December. Phil Vassar's here like multiple times a year. Rick Springfield, he's typically here, yeah, I would say every year. But it's been a bit since we've seen him. So, you know, I'm sure the fans are uh, eager to get back to see him. Uh, We've got to do an episode where you just explain who Phil Vassar is to me because I've seen the name a million times and I, I have, <laughs> I, Piet, I have no idea. I honestly, we'll save it for another episode because we're going to need some some time to decode that phenomenon. Uh, before we uh, wrap this up, Piet, there is one local tribute show that that I think is going to have a lot of interest. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a tribute to Mike Hoffman. Uh, it's happening at the Cooperage on December 23rd. Uh, Mike Hoffman uh, passed away unexpectedly at, at age 67 um, just a couple weeks ago, and it really uh, shook the Milwaukee music community. I mean, I, my, my Facebook feed, probably yours too, Evan, was just flooded with memories and tributes to Mike Hoffman. I mean, you know, everyone from like Chris Voss and the record company who said some really beautiful things about him to 
Victor DiLorenzo from Violent Femmes. Um, you know, it's just all sorts of people, people who knew him really closely, worked with him, and people who just admired him. Because Mike Hoffman, even if, if you're not familiar with the name, he was an extremely accomplished musician. I mean, and, and he really made his life, uh, devoted his life to really doing some incredible things in the Milwaukee music scene while staying in Milwaukee. He was with, uh, I think, four bands that ended up signing with, with record labels. I mean, he was with Semi-Twang. Uh, that was one of them. Yipes, as well, was a really good power pop band with Pat McCurdy uh, that he was in as well. Um, you know, he was in uh, the Delta Routine in, in recent years. I mean, his... I wrote a, a, a tribute to him for the journal Sentinel and it was a really, it was really long because he did yeah. so many things and people said so many nice things to say about him. I mean, he was just a really amazing uh, guitarist, really great behind the boards, really great engineer, got along really well with everybody. So the, the tributes were really earnest and really beautiful because you know even when he like left bands, he wasn't the kind of guy that like burned bridges. Like everyone loved him you know even if he left if he, if he ditched a band for another band there were no hard feelings and i think you could see that because yipes reunited semi-twang reunited and and those bands for instance had really good runs uh in, in recent years as well so this tribute i think will be uh really really special really moving um there's going to be uh, yipes is going to be performing there uh, semi-twang will perform there the delta routine will perform there uh, victor de lorenzo um uh, Mike Hoffman was on uh, Victor Lorenzo's uh, Pancake Day album and toured with him. He'll be performing there as well. Uh, some other bands too. Um, it's you know donations will be accepted to kind of cover his estate and also to go to Music Cares. Yeah, I mean he was just really loved in the music scene and not just as a musician but as a as a producer too. I mean he produced Dog Ear Dream for Willie Porter, kind of his breakout album. Albums for the Hispanic Boys, albums for Paul Sebar. I mean, it's incredible. His his resume is astounding. He might be the most prolific musician. In he leaves. He history. leaves such a big hole because he he was involved in everything, and he, it really strikes me he is a model of what success in the music industry looks like when you live in a city like Milwaukee. You know, I think for there have been many times in the city where musicians have felt like, "Boy, can I make it here? Can I make the music I want here? Is is there even really a music industry in Milwaukee?" And he was an example that showed, yeah, yeah, you can record with big names, you can produce, you can you can make a living doing music. This is how I've done it. I've done it for decades, and and I think so many people across generations of uh, musicians in the music scene looked up to him and said, "Wow, yeah, he can do it. I can do it." I mean, he really he was a role model. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, just really loved in the scene, but also, I mean, the the people he worked with that weren't even in Milwaukee. Some really accomplished names. I mean, he recorded with Herb Alpert and T Bone Burnett and Katie Lang and Hal Blaine. You know, he did gigs with with bands. You know, opening for Lou Reed for The Clash for Cheap Trick, for replacements Wilco. I mean, it's just it's just stunning. He played bass for Marshall Crenshaw on a tour. It's really you know, and and again, this this really long article I did at JS Online. It doesn't cover everything. It just covers some highlights because he was just constantly, constantly, constantly working because he was so talented. And he loved it, and he was so loved. He was so incredibly loved in the music scene. Everyone kind of wanted to work with him. That's uh, that's going to be an unforgettable show. Uh, our thoughts are with everybody who knew Mike, uh, everybody who's missing him right now, and hopefully that show brings some comfort. It's going to be cool seeing all those bands together. 
That about does it for this week's episode. We went long on December. Really not too bad of a December, Piet. Honestly, could be could be a lot worse. Certainly more shows than last December, if nothing else. You can check out Piet's coverage about all this, all of his archived interviews with Rick Springfield, all that, at jsonline.com. Of course, you can follow us at radiomilwaukee.org and find this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Captain is produced by the great Kenny Perez, host of In the Mix every Saturday night on Radio Milwaukee. Turn up a little bit while you're driving around in your car on a Saturday night. It is awesome if you haven't listened to it for a while. Uh, props to you, Kenny. Love that show. Our handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from you, our members. We can't do it without you. Thanks to our subscribers too. Piet, I will see you next time on Tapped In. See you next time, Evan. <laughs>